Our limitations, self-doubt, and limiting beliefs about ourselves. Why do we give them so much power? I'm Simon Caruso, and this is the Limitless Man Podcast, speaking to those who doubted their own doubts and overcame limitations to pursue their very own limitless potential. Hey guys, uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited about today, and this is a biased topic for me because today we're going to talk about property and the difference between property investment and property development. Now, if you guys don't know, property has been a massive part of my life. And if it wasn't for property, there's no way I would have been able to leave my corporate job and follow my dreams and pursue a career in podcasting, speaking, coaching, and showing other people pretty much how to do the same, how to reverse engineer the whole process. And property is one way you can use leverage and not exchange your time for money. So today's guest is or owns or founded the largest property networking group in Australia called Property Developer Network. And his goal is to help a hundred or a thousand people be financially free by 2030. Rob Flux, welcome to the podcast, mate. Thank you, Simon. Mate, you nearly you nearly ripped me off nine hundred people. I almost um, did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, mate. Um, good to be chatting again. I guess you and I go way back, so uh, uh, mate, it's good good to be able to serve you and your community. Yeah. Look, and like I said, we met about five years ago at the Speakers Institute doing a boot camp there together, and obviously, even prior to meeting you, Rob, and I've done some of your stuff before, but heavily involved in property just because it was a great avenue, a great tool for me to build some wealth, build some income without necessarily exchanging my time. And and for those people listening today that feel trapped and maybe they've exchanged their time for money, their whole careers, their whole life, this is just going to be one way which you can actually, it's going to give you an insight as to how to do things differently. So Rob, just tell us from scratch, mate. I mean, how did all this start? I know you've had to start literally twice over. In the past, absolutely. Yeah, uh, give us an insight as to how that all happened, mate. Uh, mate, there's two parts to my journey, and so I think uh, each part will probably resonate with different parts of your audience. Um, I did 20 years of buy and hold investing, uh, and uh, unlike most people, I started very, very early in that. I bought my first house at 18, my first investment property at 21, and I owned my first house outright at the age of 24. So I was kind of uh, I guess a bit of a go-getter pretty early on and very entrepreneurial in how we did that. Uh, but I found that that buy and hold approach for me uh, had a lot of obstacles that actually sit in the way. And that is that, uh, especially when you're much younger and you don't have a lot of cash flow that sits behind you, you keep hitting glass ceilings with regards to, I can't get enough equity to go buy the next one. I can't get enough serviceability to fund the debt. So you have to kind of go get into a property and then sit back and wait for the market to do some lifting. And you're kind of sitting there twiddling your thumbs, uh, waiting for the market. And then you have enough growth from that, that you can then reload and go again. Uh, So that took time. So it took 20 odd years for me to become financially free out of that on paper. And that's the key is on paper uh, because I never got to cash in those chips. Um, uh, Regretfully, I, uh, got divorced about six months prior to, uh, I guess, claiming the mantle of financially free. Uh, And so put everything back in the middle of the pile uh, and 
uh, had to start again, mate. And that's kind of, that's where the second half of my journey started. And, uh, you know, taking 20 years with the buy and hold side, I didn't want to take 20 years the second time around. And that's when I started looking at the property development side of things and went, well, how do I not wait for the market? How do I manufacture my profit and force value onto the property through my skills, my sweat equity? Um, and that's where I set about actually learning the property development process. Uh, and the second time around, it didn't take me 20 years. It took me six. Yeah. Uh, and so that's the power of property development. Uh, and what I do now is I actually combined my property investment brain with my property development brain. And I've worked out a little magic formula that allows you to keep properties for free, free and clear, uh, which I'm sure your audience will love to hear all about late, a little bit later on. We're going to leave that as a little snippet Absolutely. For, for later. Yeah. Mate, before you get into the second half of the story and then how you, I guess, I guess rebuilt after divorce, I just want to know what's your definition of financially free? Would you? Oh, mate, that's a cracking question. That's a cracking question because everyone gets it wrong. Uh, they, they see people standing in front of Learjets or leaning against fast cars and standing in front of big houses and they think that's financial freedom. That's not. That's lifestyle. Yeah. Um, financial freedom is enough passive income to pay your debts. That is put food on the table, fuel in the car, send the kids to school, the things that you are currently doing right here, right now today. Yeah. If you can have enough passive income to pay the bills, you don't need to work. Simple, yeah. right? Uh, and for most people, um, the Australian average income is about $80,000 per year. Mm-hmm. The majority of us are living within our means, which means that we are not spending $80,000 uh, each per year. Um, and so most people, uh, you know, their their requirement for financial freedom to buy their time back, that's the most important part. Uh, their requirement is fairly meagre. Uh, so for a family, it's, uh, you know, it's somewhere typically between 80 and 120K passive income. If they earned that, they'd pay all the bills, they'd keep the mortgage being paid, they'd still be able to send their kids to school, they'd still be able to go on holidays, everything they are currently doing right now. Now, what comes after that is the fancy car and the fan like that. But once you've got your time back, once you don't need to work, you've got as much time as you want to then go and build the lifestyle. Yeah, it makes sense. So people listening, I would say that a lot of people that are listening to this have invested in property before. They might have bought a property. They might have held a property for so many years. Maybe that property hasn't gone up in value. Like, you know, we're told that there's an old saying that property doubles every eight to 10 years. So let me just ask you that. Is that necessarily true? Because that's a, it's a saying it's a, that gets thrown around quite a bit. It's an urban myth. Um, a bit of a myth, yeah. Uh, in the right location, then on average, it does okay. Yeah. Like, so that, that, that stands true in the right location. Um, but in the wrong location, you'll get no growth. Yeah. And there are two certain times in the market where you'll get no growth. And then, then there'll be other times in the market where you get massive growth. And so if you are very good at reading the market, uh, then why not just get in just before the growth happens <laughs> uh, and then move to another area just before the growth happens and then get into another area just before the growth happens. Why, why wait 
10 years to do it. Um, yeah. Why not just do the, the 18 months where it grows, um, but you need to actually get good at your trade in order to do that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about property development then. So you spent 20 years investing in property and then it took you six using this different strategy. Now, just explain to people what the difference is predominantly between these two strategies and why you were able to fast track your results. Well, uh, I might... This might help set the context up. Yep. I'll, I'll go back one step and then go I'll for step it, mate. Into that. Yep. Yep. Um, there are predominantly only four reasons to buy a property. So capital growth, that's going to build you um that's going to build you net wealth. Okay. Capital growth will build you net wealth. But you can't eat assets. Mm. You need cash. So the next reason to buy property is cash flow, right? So that is the ability to actually put food on the table and, and fuel in the car, that sort of thing. Um, third one is manufactured profits. That is what I do. That's property development. That is the ability to buy one something and turn it into many other something else's, right? Uh, and it's by doing that that we are selling more than we actually are purchasing. And, and the arbitrage between the two is how we manufacture our profit. And the fourth reason to buy a property is lifestyle. Now, whichever strategy you choose, whether it be cash, uh, capital gains, whether it be cash flow, whether it be uh, manufactured profit, if you get really good at it, you will make money. They, they all work. Yep. The difference is how quickly they work and how much effort you need to put into the process. Um, now, if you do uh, a property investing, so that is capital gains and cash flow, you tend to put a small amount of effort in and then you let the market do the rest. Yes. You just sit back and wait. And so uh, it is a passive investment approach. So you you sit back and just let the market do its thing. And you'd say, would that be a long-term strategy, Rob? Absolutely. And you need time. So time does the work for you in this instance. Okay. Uh, so if you have chosen well, because you you picked a particular strategy, you got very good at that particular strategy and you executed exactly where that strategy is going to work, then it will take time to do things and the, and the time will also heal mistakes. So if you bought poorly, uh, if the market goes down, you wait time, time will actually heal the mistake. Yep. Property development is the opposite of that. Property development is I need velocity of money. I need to get in and out as fast as humanly possible. I need to, where I can, get in and out in the same market. Now, sometimes we can't do that. But time is actually a killer for us. So holding costs hurt us. So unless you are good at what you do and get in and you're very efficient, so we have to be very active. So we need to know what we're doing. We need to put a lot of effort in. But when we do, mate, it's like drinking out of a fire hose. Um, so you're going to get wet, but not much is going to go in. Like it's, uh, yeah. so, uh, it's a, so you can manufacture your profits much faster than waiting for the market. Uh, and then it's, then can you do something super creative where you're manufacturing a profit large enough that you actually get to keep an asset owned outright? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the little tid, tidbit that I kind of threw out there before. Um, and so there's a magic formula that allows you to actually do that. And it's, it's a really simple formula. Um, so I'm going to give you a loaded question, Simon. Go, right? yeah. A loaded question. Mm-hmm. So in the property world, everyone's got this mythical number, like, like investments, seven to 10 years, it'll double. Yep. In the property development world, 
how much profit on cost is most are most developers aiming for? How much profit? I would say most are probably aiming for twenty percent. Twenty percent—that's the magic number. Every time I ask it, everyone says the same twenty percent, right? Yeah. So let's do the math based on a twenty percent profit on cost. Okay. Yep. If you do six, if you sell five, it pays the cost. The sixth one is now owned free and clear. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. Provided, yeah, we're at 20%. That's right. Yeah. If you're at 20%. Yeah. Right. Now, so that's the key to then turn property development into property investment. At that point, you now have an asset that is owned free and clear with no debt. So it will double every seven to 10 years, just like you said. Mm. It is 100% passive cash flow. So it is going to pay, keep paying day after day after day. You don't care about interest rates going up and down. You don't care about inflation uh, going up and down. None of that actually matters anymore. You are immune to the market uh, if you do this. Um, And because it's growing every seven to 10 years, the rent will also grow with that over time as well. So it's, it's an asset that just keeps getting better and better and better. And then that asset, because it's owned free and clear, it, that can actually become equity in order to go do another deal. So the hard part for a property developer is not that deal. That deal is actually quite easy. The hard part is how do I get to that deal? So how do I, if six is the magic number, how do I learn to do six? Yeah. Well, let's instead learn how to do four but I don't know how to do four. Well, let's learn how to do two, right? So so we start small and then we step up. And if we rinse and repeat, if we learn the lesson from the previous project, if we can be consistent with our development strategy and not chop and change between subdivisions and townhouses and apartments, but we stick to one, it doesn't matter which one, then you do one into two, one into four, one into six, now you just do another one into six, another one into six. Now, as you're owning these things free and clear, on average in a capital city uh, around the country, the major capital cities, the, I'm going to say Brisbane, Sydney, uh, uh, Melbourne and Perth, those four, um, you would average typically about 25K passive income from one asset owned free and clear. Okay. Now, when you say 25 grand passive income, you're talking about the rent that's coming in? The rent, less management fees and, you know, land tax and rates and a couple of other little things like that. Net, give or take about 25K. Okay. So if you remember before, financial freedom, um, most people are somewhere between 80K and 120K. So for most people, it's somewhere between three and five properties owned outright. Yep. Makes sense. So let's, let's do the math. I need to do one into two to learn. I need yep. to do one into four to learn. I do need to do a one into six to actually start to keep profits. So I'm three deals in and I'm now starting to get some really serious, heavy uh, cash flow. Then it's just how many of those I need. So a lot of people, somewhere between three and five projects, maybe eight if they're, uh, you know, pretty heavy on the, on the, uh, on the budget lifestyle <laughs> kind of right now. Uh, it doesn't take many projects to actually get out. Yeah. So people listening to this are thinking that sounds amazing. That sounds like something that I'm, I could do. I could actually learn this and I could actually do it. Now, the only issue is how do I get the money for this? How do I fund this? How do I, 
how do I get my head around this? Because I can't afford to borrow all this money, all these beliefs coming up now and things that self-talk, the doubt, all these other things. How do we get around that? Well, you've, there's two parts to that question. So there's there's the mindset side of things and then there's the skill side of things. So from a mindset perspective, you really need to be working with a life coach that's going to help you on actually identifying your limiting beliefs, uh, dealing with the things that are stopping you from actually pulling the trigger and actually taking action, right? So uh, then you need the skills to make sure the action you're taking is the right action. So you want to break those up into two very distinctly different parts, the 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 mindset side of things if we deal with that um it's amazing how much self-sabotage we put in front of us we tell ourselves that things just aren't possible and we look at things through the lens of the experience in the world that we've had so far we've not been successful so far so therefore we're bound to not be successful in the future instead i'm going to encourage you to have a look into communities like mine where we've we've just had our 10th birthday uh over the over the weekend mate so i guess depending upon when people are actually listening to this but there is 10 years of evidence of every single week somebody turning up and presenting a genuine real deal the good the bad and the ugly of a project where you can see warts and all how they made money out of the process so there's evidence after evidence after evidence after evidence so you need to start to immerse yourself with people that are doing it. Um, you need to be uh, proximity is power. You may have heard that before somewhere. Somewhere I might have heard that several <laughs> times. Yes. So proximity is power. Start hanging around people that are actually doing it and start to absorb the belief that it is actually possible for you. Now, if you look at every every developer on earth, the big developers, the Mervax, the Lend Leases, the Meritons, all those sorts of things. Um, they all had to start with deal number one. Yeah. Right. So every single one of them were not a developer at some point. And so it's about you stepping back in time and looking at the, 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 the opportunity as to how and where they actually go. Um, now I self promotion here, if that's okay, mate, I also do a, a podcast. And one of the series that we do is actually called in the beginning. So we actually go to those uh, really successful uh, property people and, and, and developers and that sort of thing. We take them back to deal number one. What was your mindset? What was the problem? What was the issue? How did you actually overcome that? How did you get into believing that deal number one was possible? Um, I'd highly encourage your audience just to watch that one series um, and uh, inspire to see what is actually possible if you can break that barrier for the first deal. We'll put a link to that below as well. So we'll make that in the show notes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I just want to talk about proximity because I would have been 23 when I bought my first property and I actually bought a block of land and I built a house on there and I sold the house. And my intention was to make some money. It wasn't property development, but it was a house, it was a house and land package that I did. And had I not got around the right people, that just wouldn't have happened because what I knew at the time and what I was about to do were two different things. There was a big contrast to how I grew up and what I believed was possible versus then getting around someone who fortunately he became part of my family. He married one of my cousins. And so I got to sort of associate with him and a lot of what he was doing rubbed off on me. So 
I would encourage anyone to reach out to this community because inevitably that's what's going to get you to start believing and start seeing these possibilities. You're going to have some awesome conversations with people and just talk about some of the people, Rob, in this community as well, the likes of the situations they've come from because I'm sure people have come from all different types of dramas, issues. um, Absolutely. So I I won't go naming individuals, but we've got a few uh, who have been so kind as to actually put uh, testimonials on our pages. And I'll, so I'll talk to some of them, but um, we had uh, one lady who uh, was uh, in her sixties um, was uh, came to us when she only had $10,000 in the bank. Uh, she was struggling. She was living at home with her mother at the age of 60. Um, she had lost a lot of belief in herself uh, and in doing so, uh, started to hang around with our community and actually started to see what was actually possible to be done. And we teach a lot of things that allow you to be really creative with your finance. Uh, and I'll, I'll go into that a little bit later. Um, she has been able to manufacture out of her first deal, um, given that she had no money at all, she was able to manufacture a $500,000 profit with with none of her own money right um that has literally changed her world um uh we've got another gentleman who uh at the age of 59 was um made redundant from his work he was so overqualified in trying to to go back into the workforce that nobody would actually employ him given his age uh he had 100k in the bank and his burn rate in in feeding the family and paying the mortgage and that sort of thing his burn rate meant that he had 12 months before that 100k was gone yeah uh and so in that 12 months he has learned the property development process he's he's cashed in uh, enough profit to kick the can down the road to then get into his second deal um this year he's on target uh for over a million dollars profit this year right that's only three years later um, so that is what's possible. Now, will everyone get those results? No, right? Um, but I want to show people what's possible because if you if you don't see the evidence, you'll never believe that it's possible. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more. It's about getting around people and understanding what those people have done and then just creating that belief, just being curious as to what's possible. So be curious like a little kid and and just believe in all these possibilities but i want to talk about the first time you had to rebuild rob when you were 38 now you spoke about a couple of books that you read as well yeah, rich actually, dad poor dad a couple on that little shelf over there mate there's a few behind you so rich dad poor dad think and grow rich what are the importance of these books just what are the significance and how do they inspire you to make the change that you needed to make well they dealt with that first part of the equation which is the mindset right yeah. so the, the the belief that it is actually possible um, I'd say probably the, the biggest one was the Napoleon Hill uh, book, Think and Grow Rich. Now, that is a that is a book that is, uh, I think, somewhere in the vicinity of 120 years old. Yeah. So for those who don't know the book, um, uh, Napoleon Hill followed a gentleman by the name of uh, Andrew Carnegie around for 25 years. Now, Andrew Carnegie was a... Uh, a steel magnate. Um, he was one of the first billionaires back when bit like a billion was a lot of money. Um, you know, nowadays it's not so much. Um, uh, 
And so what he learned in following uh, Andrew around is that the way that the rich do business is very different to the way that us commoners do business. As us commoners are very insular with our problems, we keep them to ourselves and we try to solve those problems with our own worldly experience, which is quite often limited. Whereas the way the rich do business, and, and we as tall poppies try to tear them down for this, but we say jobs for the boys. What the rich tend to do is they tend to share their problems with their community. And the community uses that collective wisdom to actually uh, answer the problem, right? So Napoleon Hill likens that to the power of a third mind. And the idea being that if I bring my problem to you, Simon, you mm. can apply your experience to that problem and give me a solution that I would never have seen. Now, if I add someone else into the mix, they're going to see your solution and go, hey, that reminds me of this other thing. Uh, and then that creates another idea. So it's not brainstorming, but it's actually building an idea that will give a solution that no one person could actually come up with by themselves. Now that is what I created with five mates around my kitchen table to try and help me through my property development process. Mm. And those five mates, as we started to get success, invited a mate, they invited another mate. And then all of a sudden it didn't fit in my kitchen, didn't fit in my lounge. And I created this public networking group called Property Developer Network, um, which is now the largest property networking group in the country, like you said. Uh, we've got 16,500 people in our community. We run networking events in three states and we uh, recreate that kitchen table experience every single week. Yep, amazing. What do you love most about it? Obviously, you went on your own journey and you're using your own expertise, your own wisdom and knowledge over the years. What do you love about this property developer network that you've created? Uh, I'll start out by saying it wasn't something I intended to build, right? It was this thing that organically happened. Uh, and I went into it in, in the start very selfishly, just wanting to deal with my world and my my issues with how do I actually get myself free? It was only at the point where I uh, got close to that freedom myself and I started to see that what I was doing was actually having an impact on other people and that that was then allowing those people to have an impact on other people. When I started to see that and, and people started to come to me and say, hey, Rob, how do you do this? Um, I... I I started to change my perspective very significantly to say, well, it's no longer about me. I don't want to be the one lonely person at the top of the mountain. The one person at the top of the mountain gets a fantastic view, but it's he's got something very pointy sticking in his ass. But if I come down the mountain just a little bit, there's a lot more room. There's a lot more people can fit there and we all still get a pretty damn good view. Uh, so that's my philosophy is I want to bring uh, a thousand people, uh, I guess, to the to the summit. Uh, how do we actually do that and pay it forward and help others? Uh, because when I when I change someone else's life, that person can then in turn help their family and help their community. Um, and the ripple effect of that, that's the legacy that I want to leave behind. Yeah, I was about to say it. You just you said it before me, the ripple effect. And that's what it is. When you 
when you gain an understanding of how to do something so powerful like this and pass that on just to one person who might pass it on to one more person, it just compounds over time. It's, uh, it's incredible the results that can happen in due well, course, if, you know. If you're, if you're looking for a movie that you want to cry in, mate, yeah. uh, go, go watch uh, a, a little kid called Haley Joel Osmond in a movie called Pay It Forward. Pay it forward. Okay. Pay it forward. I haven't actually watched that. I'm going to write that down. So pay so, it forward. Um, this is all about exactly that. So, you know, I took a piece from uh, that Napoleon Hill book and I took a piece from that movie. Yeah. Right? Uh, and I put those two things together. And what I know is that if I pay it forward and have an impact on someone else's life, that person will then have an impact on more more people's lives. And with the power of that, you can change the world. Yeah. Let's go back to some challenges, Rob, because a lot of people listening to this are probably thinking, I'd love to do that. That's for me. But I'm in this situation where I'm going through a bad time in this part of my life. Now, in your case, you experienced Cyclone Tracy. So if people don't understand what Cyclone Tracy is, give us a bit of a uh, recap on that, mate. Okay. So uh, I grew up in Darwin. Uh, so not uh christmas eve uh 1974 cyclone tracy hit darwin it was a category five cyclone uh they don't know what speeds the 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 cyclone got to uh what they know is that the uh the the wind meters at the bureau of meteorology broke at about 270 kilometers an hour yeah so for our overseas viewers this is the most famous catastrophe or natural disaster i would say in australian history would that be fair to say rob uh well i mean i don't know about the most famous we've had a few bushfires and a couple of other things but as far as cyclones and pretty damn bad mate yeah uh but so far as cyclones yes it's the biggest cyclone that we've had uh and if you're on the northern side of the uh the equator then uh you guys call them tornadoes they 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 go the other way the wind blows the other way um but uh the result of that is that um, I, I guess before Cyclone Tracy, we were in a brand spanking new house. It was eight months old uh, and it got completely destroyed. It was not insured. Mum and dad had no money and now had a massive debt and no ability to actually pay that back. Uh, And we were now living in a wreck um, and I lived underneath the floorboards of that uh, house for five years. Uh, I used to shower through a garden hose um, behind a sheet of corrugated iron. Uh, and for five years of my life, that that was my life. Uh, I guess we graduated into uh, a caravan after some period of time. And then eventually we got to the point where we actually could actually rebuild the house. But mum and dad were financially distressed for many, many, many years. And that living and growing with that and seeing how much mum and dad didn't have um, was really what drove me to go, I don't want to be in that situation. Now that was not their fault. Now, natural disasters happen, but uh, that really gave me a fire in my belly that said, I'm going to succeed come hell or high water. Yeah. You know what? And sometimes growing up in that environment is exactly the catalyst to making some of these big changes. And then, just creating these new beliefs as well. But tell, tell us also about some of the physical setbacks you've had. Now, I understand you're known as the bionic man as well. That's one of yeah. your, the names that gets thrown around. You've had some major surgeries over the years. What's the story behind all that? 
Uh, mate, I played uh, a lot of years of semi-professional rugby. So I've had uh, six knee surgeries and two two complete knee reconstructions. So uh, it hurts for me to stand. Um, I've also had a fairly significant uh, accident that um, ruptured a disc in my back. That meant that I have to, I've got a titanium disc in my back. Um, uh, and I've, that also caused a whole bunch of nerve damage. Uh, and that nerve damage meant that I need to put electrodes into my spinal cord for pain management. I have a battery pack in my back. Uh, and I I have a remote control, mate, that, that controls my pain management. Uh, so if I turn that on right now, that'll tell you what my battery status is at. Uh, you can see that my, I'm fully charged, mate, and I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm about 50% pain management at this moment in time. So, yes, I'm bionic. Um, but so, so the result of that is it hurts me to sit. So my knees hurt me to stand and my, my back hurts me to sit. So uh, I'm forever constantly on the move. You'll see me fidgeting all the time. Uh, but it, what it's, I had two choices. I could actually go, woe is me. Um, look what's happened. I can curl up in the fetal position and go, you know, my life is doomed. Or I could actually turn that into uh, something as a superpower to say, well, you watch me succeed despite what's actually happened. If I can do this and set an example, then uh, then you can do it too. Now, uh, the bionic man, you might remember Steve Austin, the bionic man, $6 million man. Um, every time he did his superpower, what, what actually happened? When you watch the TV, what actually happened? Mate, this is beyond my time. I'm I'm sorry, oh, mate. I can't remember on. the Bionic Man thing. <laughs> so special effects weren't that flash back in the day, mate. What they did is they slowed down the, the film clip. And by slowing down the film clip, it made him look like he was leaping over giant buildings and doing all sorts of crazy things. Uh, and so what I found was if I slow down, it actually helps me to speed up. Okay. And so that is uh, the number of times you you can imagine this in a in a little bit more of a physical type environment. Um, if you put the foot to the floor uh, in your car, the wheels spin. They make a lot of noise. They make a lot of smoke. But you don't go very fast. Mm. But if you take your foot off the gas, the wheels get traction. Then you put the foot on the gas a little bit slower, but you can put it all the way to the floor, and you will accelerate and you'll rocket to where you want to be. And sometimes we are just in a little bit too much of a hurry to get to where we want to be. And if we slow down, it'll help us to speed up. I love that analogy. That's awesome, mate. You spoke about, you know, having two ways to deal with some of the setbacks, the physical ailments and what you went through in that regard. Is it as easy as flicking a switch, Rob? I mean, are there times where you went through your own depressions and setbacks and you thought maybe you were a bit of a victim at the time or having the victim mentality, because I think it's, it is difficult to, I guess, preach to people who are going through a hard time that we can just sort of, you know, flick that switch and right. away we go, you know, just be, just be happy, Simon. That's all you yeah. need to do. Just be happy, mate. You'll be fine. Yeah. Right? No, it's, it's actually hard work. Uh, it's, it's hard work overcoming a, uh, a, a limiting belief that we've got in, in front of ourselves. Anything that's mindset takes effort takes um, a proactive approach to actually change things and it won't change overnight 
So you need to put slow and deliberate and methodical steps in place to overcome that and, and create new habits in your world, right? Now, uh, lots of different books will talk about uh, how to create new habits, but fundamentally, you need to be doing the new thing about 21 days before the old habit disappears, okay? Uh, so every time you go to the gym and say, hey, I'm going to have a six pack, why is it that we stop at week week two, right? You, mm. You've overcome the hard part, but if you kept on going for those extra couple of weeks, then chances are you'll actually make it. Um, and so that mindset side of things is, well, how do I actually do that? And so I built a nice little routine, which I think um, uh, is something that I'm happy for your guys to take away. It's so simple. It's, it's not funny. Um, and that is that every single day, my one and only goal in life is to be a better version of me every day. Mm. So in order to do that, there are two tasks that I do. When I get up in the morning, I set my intentions for the day. Now, some people might do that through meditation. Some people might do that through written affirmations or all sorts of things. However you want to do it, that's okay. But you want to set your intentions for the day. And then at the end of the day, review. How did you go? When you set intentions, do you write down specifically what you want to achieve for the day? Is it just a mental thing that you go through so the process in your head? It's evolved over time. Originally, what I did, I used to, uh, I had a affirmations page with all the things that I wanted to achieve with regards to my financial freedom for, for a thousand people. I used to write out an entire page every single morning. I used to write that out. I used to visualize what that would actually look like. Um, and, and I would actually, actually emotionally connect to the written word on the page. That has evolved over time for me to the point where I don't need to write it because it because it's so ingrained in what I do. Um, but you probably need something that is that mechanical at the start to actually justify it. Otherwise, your mind just wanders. Mm. Um, but once you've trained it, then you don't need it to be that uh, that tangible. Um, but if you then if you have set those intentions. Then at the end of the day, you review, how did I go? Where did I stuff up? What are the things that I can actually improve out of my day? And there's going to be times where you're, you know, I, I set my intentions at 6am and at eight o'clock, I stuff something up, you know, yeah. but I don't notice it until eight o'clock at night. So that's 12 hours apart. You go, oh man, that was, that's terrible. Now tomorrow I'll set my intentions again to do something a little bit different about that one task. And now I won't stuff it up at eight o'clock. I'll stuff it up at 10 o'clock. Yeah. But, and I review my intention or oh, what happened there. And now, now it's not 12 hours apart till I notice that it's 10. And then you do that again the next day and then again the next day. And eventually you get to the point where that gap gets smaller and smaller and smaller that you actually catch it in the moment, right? Now, when you can catch it in the moment, now you're in charge. At this point, you don't react to something. You respond to it. Mm. You get the choices as to what am I going to do here? When that person cut me off in traffic, am I going to swear and curse and flip the bird and that sort of thing? Or am I just going to wave and go, mate, good luck. Hope you get there on time. Uh, you know, I'm going to say, proceed safely. Back in the day, they would have got the bird from me, right? Yeah. Now I can be a little bit more... Uh, patient with myself and uh, patient with them and understanding and hey I'm not I'm not the only one who's 
who's having a stressful day. Yeah. Rob, I'm mindful of time and we're going to wrap it up shortly, mate. But I mean, tremendous value that you've given. You've given us some concepts, some ideas to people that might not have been introduced to these concepts before. So if people want to learn more about this, how do they get involved in your network? What's the easiest way they can reach out? Not necessarily to you personally, but to be involved in the network itself. So we, we've got a number of different ways you can find us. So, But if you Google Property Developer Network, you will find us. We have a Facebook community where uh, you can join and the community will actually help you to, to answer any of your challenges that you've got along the way. We've got networking events in currently three states and the intention to, to grow further. Uh, so Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne at the moment and, and growing uh, where we have industry experts every month talking about if different issues and challenges you have along the way. We have uh, people in the community sharing real deals and we recreate that kitchen table experience. Um, so uh, so you come to our networking events. You can find us at developernetwork.com.au. Um, we also have, uh, I guess, a formal education and mentoring program called Property Development Formula. So if anyone wants to learn the formal process, you know, step one, do this, step two, do that, um, then more than happy to chat to people about that as well. Um, otherwise, mate, um, you know, just Google me. Uh, yeah. I, I own Google. Um, <laughs> uh, I, the first three pages of Google are everything Rob Flux. So, uh, so far, I... So far, there's nothing negative in there, but give it good. Uh, yes, but but it's a it's a a fantastic community. I, I'd I'd mm. really encourage start with coming to the networking group. Hang around with uh, a a tribe that is doing the things that you want to do. That's probably the the, the key. Um, and as humans, we are a, a herd pack. Um, if you're hanging around with people that don't do property development mm. um, or don't do property. Um, then they're going to protect you and say, don't do that thing. It's dangerous because they don't know any better and they mm. think that they're protecting you. But if you hang around with a herd who is doing it, then that herd also wants to protect you. And as yeah. you're starting to do things, they're going to see you make mistakes. They're going to reach out and actually help you and say, hey, don't do that. Um, that you know, Don't do that silly uh, project, um, Simon, you know, you know can, can't you see this particular issue or challenges here? So if you hang around with the right herd, they will support you. If you hang around with the wrong herd, they will hold you back. Yeah, we spoke about that before, the proximity thing. It's huge. It's massive. One more question, which I reckon you've already answered anyway, but being limitless, because this is all about overcoming limitations and stepping into our own limitless potential. What does that mean to you? What does that look like for you? I, th I think it's important that we all have uh, goals that we set every single day that that give us something that is actually attainable, right? Because if it's if the goal is too far out, it becomes unbelievable and we don't step towards it. But my goals uh, are really more mini milestones, and so rather than that being the end point for me, it's rather, I guess, a a, a measuring point to say. Where am I going? Um, and the ability for me to look back and go, look what I've actually achieved. So I don't have an end in mind. So I've got this thousand people financially free as a milestone. It's okay. not the end. That's right? interesting, yes. Uh, so, and by doing that, I know that I can blast past it. 
Now, if that was the, if that was the end for me, um, uh, and and you and I shared some really interesting uh, people in our community when we did our uh, speakers training, um, and some insights that I learned from that, we were in the proximity of uh, some world class champions. So mm-hmm. there were, we had a a gold medalist Paralympian, we had a uh, world title holder uh, kickboxer, we had. Uh, a world title holder, um, windsurfing champion. Uh, we had a whole bunch of people who did triathlons and, and were gold medalists in that. And most of them had their goal was the destination. And yeah, when I remember they, this. Yes. When they, when they reached that goal, they got the pinnacle, they got the gold medal, their life had no meaning after that because there was nothing left. And so if you yeah. instead have it as a milestone to say, well, that's, I'm going to get it, but it's not where I'm stopping. Then your, your life will always have purpose. And so for me, my purpose is what is the legacy that I'm leaving behind? How many people turn up to my grave rather than how many toys do I have? How much money is in the bank? That's amazing, mate. It's great wisdom, Rob. And it's, been awesome to have you on i really love having conversations with you i can't wait to catch up with you again i really want to make this happen soon as well i'd love to to catch up and come to one of your events again and hopefully you come down to my hometown at some point as well mate we're looking forward to to starting an adelaide chapter in the not too distant future so uh yeah watch this space and please reach out to if you need any help there i'm always happy to, to help out mate so yeah well good mate awesome thank you so much rob and um, I'm sure everyone got value from this today. Yeah, mate, I appreciate the opportunity and thank you viewers for, for listening and you know where to find me. Thank you so much for listening, guys. If you got value from this, please give us a like and a subscribe and also share this with someone who you think may benefit having listened to it as well. I wish you all the very best in chasing what is your own version of your limitless potential.